right, everybody, welcome to the QA. It is the February 2023 edition of the QA Live for Guns and Tactics. And uh, I I have to say, I apologize. Yesterday did not work out. I had a bunch of technical issues, uh, a little bit of personal stuff. So yeah, uh, here we go. The joys of, of live streaming and everything else when uh, things don't always go as planned. But it is still February, just barely. So we are going to do the live edition of the QA from Guns and Tactics. If you guys are listening to wherever you get your podcasts, I do appreciate. Otherwise, you can watch this uh, Facebook and YouTube. Now with our new software, we're able to, you know, basically uh, simulcast this to two locations and I'm able to see comments and stuff like that. Whereas previously we only broadcast this on YouTube. So I'm excited to welcome our Facebook audience as well, which speaking of which, if you guys aren't following us, it's always important to follow us on all of our social media platforms because, uh, as we realized during shot show, uh, we were on a suspension from SHOT Show that ultimately got reversed, but then we were able to upload all of our content uh, from the show floor to Facebook, Instagram, all that other stuff. So our handle is Guns and Tactics on pretty much every platform, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that good, happy stuff. So yeah, that uh, that's that. Uh, my name is Dave Tim from Guns and Tactics. I will be your host and I will be also answering your questions. We do have a good amount of questions that were submitted via email from some regulars. So I do really appreciate everybody that can't make it live and sends their emails ahead of time, which speaking of which, if you want to see your email on the show, the best way is to email us. That email address is shown on the screen. Otherwise, for those listening, it is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. So that is a mouthful. Got that out of the way. Super happy to be here. Before we get too far into this, I do have to give a huge shout out to our patrons. We do have different levels of patrons. Uh, if you want to support the channel, you can certainly do so. And Art, uh, I'm actually, I got to give you a special shout out because I forgot that you, uh, or um, excuse me, uh, I'm actually using an old screen from the previous month. So I totally forgot about that. I forgot to copy it over from uh, the QA one. Let me see if I can quick give you a shout out and it doesn't look like I have that saved, but art, I know you are a Patreon supporter and I apologize that, uh, that you are not on the Patreon. Thank you page. Cause you definitely deserve to be, cause you are one of the 10 spotters. So if you support the channel at 10 spot or above, you see your name up here with the exception of art, because I'm a putz and I forgot to update the slide for the QA episode. So art, I do appreciate it. I'm giving you a special shout out. So, all right. Uh, oh, and Art, you are too kind. He even says no worries. So thank you so much. I do appreciate that. So before we get uh, started, uh, man, I, uh, I don't have any good dad jokes, but I should think of one. Okay, here's one that I've been using lately. We'll start out with a dad joke. I was watching a uh, scientific documentary on like sea life, and I was learning about octopuses. So, and what I realized is that uh, they say that octopuses are always laughing. And do you know why? It's because they have tentacles all the time. Ten tickles. That's what we got today. My boy thought that was pretty funny. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, it looks like we do have a couple of questions popping in on the comment feed. Audio sounding good. Always appreciate that, guys. But we're going to start with a quick email question. We're going to get into some emails and we're going to see how these go. This one is from Jamie, who's also a uh, patron supporter, uh, WA Guns, Washington Guns. I was watching the replay of the QA 
You are 100% the reason I bought my C2. That's awesome, man. I'm super happy to hear that. Uh, shoots, outshoots me on the range. Uh, obviously, it's an easy gun to shoot. Do you have any recommended training materials that is specific to staccato that I should use? I have all the NRA training material books, some aids, help with sighting, sight alignment, etc. Uh, so first things first, Art, congratulations on the purchase of that Staccato. That's an amazing handgun. They are great guns. Uh, I used to have a relationship with Staccato, and I will always say great things about them because they do make phenomenal handguns. Uh, and then for those of you guys wondering why I say I used to, uh, I can get into that here in just a sec. But uh, yeah, so it's a, you know, it's pretty, pretty awesome platform. And my C2 is actually over at my friend's, uh, danger close. And I can't wait to get that thing back. Cause it's going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely great. Uh, oh, I got to show you guys what's in the box here too. Uh, okay. To answer your question, I, I I'm assuming you've already seen my new shooter guide, the staccato new shooter guide, but if not, I will make sure I put it in there, um, in the show notes once we, this goes, you know, on YouTube and things like that. But, uh, it is always a great idea to check out that new shooter guide. And then I do want to update some other content. So maybe I can come up with some, uh, additional drills or kind of familiarity or whatever, because a lot of people do have questions about manipulating the safety, which we covered in that new shooter guide. Otherwise, the good news is it, the, the fundamentals are still the same. We're still going to do our sight alignment, press the trigger straight back to the rear without disrupting the sights. And you know, we repeat the process. So a lot of people, when they teach fundamentals, they will teach the seven fundamentals and that's totally okay to do. Uh, a lot of people, you know, a lot of instructors are still using that and it's no problem, you know? So we have stance, grip, sight picture, sight alignment, breathing, trigger press, follow through, right? Those are our seven core fundamentals. And I, when I'm teaching my classes, I kind of compress those down into more uh, streamlined categories. So I like to teach present, aim, deliver. So we have to present the gun, which covers our stance and our grip and our body posture, things like that. We have to aim, which covers not only getting and presenting the gun to the target, but sight alignment, sight picture, because sometimes aiming doesn't necessarily involve the sights. We might just be using our body index or presentation. And then we have to deliver the rounds without messing up the previous. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of part of it there. So, um, all of that fundamentals will kind of go into, you know, other platforms as well or have crossover. So, uh, real quick, just in case anyone does ask, uh, I used to be a member of Staccato's blue team, which was basically a group of law enforcement, uh, brand ambassadors, if you will. And we would go with to trade shows and other big events and help support Staccato. We would also use Staccato guns in our classes. And what they liked about me was that I also did social media stuff. So I would use Takato guns in my videos, things like that, just kind of help build brand awareness. Now we weren't paid employees. Uh, however, you know, they would give us a gun and some people were like, that's compensation and blah, blah. I totally get it. I, I get it, especially because they're not cheap. Right. But for me, when someone gives me a tool to use, I use that tool. Uh, but that tool doesn't necessarily, you know, pay for my truck, pay for my mortgage, put food on the table. Well, I suppose it technically could, but that would be crossing a line if I used, uh, <laughs> anyways, but anyways, um, the thing that I also would disclose though, when I would be reviewing other 1911 double stack 2011 style guns is that I did have a relationship with staccato. And, uh, the reality is, uh, some people, you know, accuse me of having a bias or accuse me of having a conflict or whatever, particularly with the prodigy, you know, like a lot of people are like, well, of course you wanted the prodigy to fail. And I didn't, I want the prodigy to be successful. It just so happens that I have a relation or had a relationship. Now I don't. So, uh, anyways, it's, 
it's no longer an issue and it's no bad, nothing bad to say, no ill will or anything like that. But part of it for me was that I didn't want to necessarily be signed to one company so people could even accuse me of having a bias or anything like that. So now I'm a free agent and I can shoot whatever I want. Uh, not that I couldn't before, I could shoot whatever I wanted before, but they wanted me to obviously shoot staccato. And But now I don't have to. I can shoot literally whatever I want and, and uh, I don't have any relationships, whatever. So, um, you know, yes, if I had conversations with other companies, yep, but nothing nothing official yet or whatever. So pretty happy about that. All right. That uh, answers that. All right, here real quick. We got to add a dad joke because it is a p- apparently dad joke Tuesday. Stolen from the last of us. Did you know diarrhea is hereditary? <laughs> It runs in your genes. Oh man, that's a, <laughs> it sure certainly does. I can tell you guys some stories. We had a, we had a bug that went around the family. Uh, you know what? I'll keep that off. I'll, I'll keep that part of the family uh, a little private. So, all right. That was the first email question. It looks like our first comment is going to be from Jamie, who uh, I believe is also a supporter. Thank you very much, Jamie, for supporting. And uh, let's see, why would you choose night vision versus thermal sights? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, uh, now, oh boy, I don't have it, do I? No, I don't. I thought I had it, but so uh, part of it is this, that, that would be a great video on its own. And I'm actually going to try to get a a thermal unit for more of a long-term test. I had one for short-term. It didn't have any video recording and I was trying to get through the image with my phone and like a spotting scope adapter and it just didn't turn out. So unfortunately, I just am not able to get a bunch of good video content of that. Uh, but I do want to do a uh, digital night vision versus traditional night vision versus thermal because there are pros and cons to each. Uh, so that's a great question. Now, when you're talking about a site, Obviously, if it's on a rifle, that's a much different application than something that would be on your on your head, like a helmet worn or something like that. So I want to kind of get into the weeds on some of that stuff in a, in a future video. Uh, I do have a digital night vision from uh, Psionics, their Opsin. Really cool digital unit. I do have traditional night vision. I've done videos on, you know, like the panel bridge and stuff before. Uh, and then I do want to get a thermal unit, but I don't know if I'm going to get a rifle sight or a handheld. So obviously that's going to be a little different you know, context. Uh, if I was, let's say I was a hog hunter. Okay. No jokes here, guys. Just I'll be serious for a minute. Let's say I was a hog hunter. Uh, and I wanted to, you know, take care of them and protect my property from varmints, predators, um, you know, go after those hogs, whatever it might be. A thermal mounted rifle sight might be just the ticket for that style of hunting. Whereas, you know, if my role was different, um, you know, I might not need that because the downside with thermal is that while it does detect heat and, you know, that kind of thing, you don't necessarily have as much definition or information that you can get with night vision. So sometimes there is, uh, you know, sometimes there is a pros and cons to each. All right, here we go. What's the first thing you do when attacked by a group of clowns? Go for the juggler. <laughs> the dad jokes are just piling in, guys. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, looks like uh, Lee Anthony is tuned in, and uh, you were tuned in on Friday when we did our Holosun Industry Live, and he won the 507 comp, which, speaking of which, I was going to show you guys what's in the box. It is. Not yours, Lee. I apologize. This is a pre-production sample, technically, so this is not the final version. Uh, but this is a 507 comp, which I don't know if it'll focus. 507 comp, large window, uh, 507 
comp is a little different than the 507C. It still uses the RMR footprint, but it has that nice huge window. So uh, I got mine. I'm going to be throwing it on and I'll probably do a first look or an unboxing uh, type of thing in just a little bit. So yeah, pretty, pretty pumped to get this you know, optic in place, um, you know, and, and be able to get some content with it. And like I said, I know it's not yours, but, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I know I'm excited, uh, to get your, yours out to you. And I do get your, I did get your information. So I appreciate, uh, all of that. All right. Uh, I think we're caught up on comments for now. Let me just uh, hop back over to questions. This is uh, question number two. This is from Mitch in the last year or so. It seems like pistols with metal frames and non-strikers are being released more regularly than the previous five to 10. Are companies uh, looking for something different or do you think consumers are uh, more refined in other plastic gun, et cetera, et cetera. So the reality is, um, yeah, I do. I do see a lot more guns coming out there. And obviously we had striker guns. Um, you know, we had the, the main platforms, the main makers that we know kind of evolving and even, you know, like look at Smith and Wesson, they have a metal frame striker gun now. Uh, and you know, we'll see, you know, what happens with, uh, the development of that. Maybe others will follow. There's obviously been some metal frames that take the G platform and stuff like that, but, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, do I think the consumers are changing is the big part versus the industry? Yeah, I, I think consumers are looking for something different. It's kind of like with night vision. We're seeing night vision grow so much. We're seeing precision rifle grow because people are looking for something different than, um, you know, basically, you know, the standard AR, or the standard striker fire. They're looking for something a little bit more exciting, a little bit different. And honestly, I think I'll give staccato the credit for bringing back the popularity in the double stack. They took STI from being a primarily competition focused company and product line and really kind of mainstreamed it for the carry crowd, the law enforcement duty crowd, the training crowd, whatever. And they did it by making reliable 2011 guns with reliable magazines at a price point that more people could afford. And, uh, the reliability was there too, because that was always the thing. There was always the caveat of like, Hey, you might get this gun and it might be reliable. You might have to tune your mags. And Oh, by the way, you have to spend a lot of money for a maybe. Uh, so I give staccato mad credit for really popularizing that. And we're starting to see uh, more and more obviously with that. So definitely, Definitely uh, a lot of credit there because people are looking for something different. So uh, what is, uh, let's see here. What are your thoughts on the new shadow systems? Uh, honestly, I have a shadow systems. I do need to do a review on mine is like uh, the Glock 17 size. And I believe you're referring to like the 34 size, the L. But I picked up that shadow systems. Uh, actually, no, they sent it out uh, for eval. And I got to say that thing is really impressive. It has, I, I've been running the snot out of it. I've let students use it as a demo. Uh, I've used it as a demo. I've been really impressed with the shadow system stuff. It basically takes, for those of you guys who aren't familiar, uh, when some of the Glock patents expired, there were more companies that were now able to make, you know, Glock style guns or G platform style guns and kind of make their own without having to use a single Glock OEM part because Glock is a registered trademark of Glock. But anyways, uh, the shadow systems basically takes all of the upgrades that people want to do in the aftermarket and basically makes it a factory made in America, made in Texas, ready product with a warranty. And it has all of that stuff. It has the uh, controls. It has, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, pretty awesome. Now, hang on. Uh, everyone is, someone's texting me or whatever. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, 
So anyways, oh, and the big hype is obviously the Smith & Wesson came out with the new folding PCC today, and people are texting me like, so-and-so had it, and so-and-so. Yeah, I know, they're all sponsored by Smith & Wesson. I'm not that cool, so that's what it is. But anyways, uh, I do like the Shadow Systems. I really do do like them a lot, but I wouldn't hesitate to pick one up. Absolutely not. Uh, Art made a comment, proud of being a member. Um, I'm curious about Discord. Uh, yes, so uh, Discord, I... we. I, I don't know if we even officially set it up, but basically what was going to happen is that we were going to have a discord server. Um, I'll be right up front with you, man. I need somebody younger to show me discord. Cause I will admit it looks like just a cesspool mess of crap that I, I don't understand. So we do have the Facebook only community that we do have linked in the Patreon. That is going to be easier for me in my middle-aged tech, even though I'm a techie guy, like I do live streaming, I do video, I do all this stuff. I feel like I should know this and I'm kind of embarrassed. Like, I feel like I'm kind of getting to the point where I need my kids to program the VCR equivalent of when I was a kid, you know, I had to program the VCR. So uh, I, I do need to learn more about this discord thing. And if it's a platform that people want me to be a part of, awesome. I just, I will be up front. I need a little help. Otherwise uh, we are going to have the Facebook and then we do have the Patreon thing, but uh, Facebook is going to be cool because I can get the updates on my phone and, and we'll probably do some live stuff there just for patrons only that kind of thing. So, but yeah, more so Facebook right now until um, we grow and we maybe get a little bit more resources and that kind of thing. So good question. Uh, speaking of new trends, um, the Tegris items such as the DM battle belt or arc belt. Um, you know, the defense mechanism battle belt is actually something that's been on my mind uh, lately because this battle belt trend is kind of coming back. And right now I'm using, um, I'm using an STAC battle belt, which is, I might have it packed away, uh, but I am going to do a video on battle belts come to the 2023 edition, but I wouldn't mind. Now I'm still traditional when it comes to battle belts, uh, but I do think the defense mechanisms, you know, method is probably attaching stuff is better than what's been out there. I've tried the Molly stuff in the past and I give it kind of a meh. So I just go back to generally like either Velcro loops or tech locks or, you know, other stuff because it's, it's simple and it just works. So, uh, but yes, I do want to do a uh, battle belt updated video. And right now, like I said, I've been using the STAC. Prior to that, I was using a Safari land, but I do want to check out the defense mechanisms because those guys, uh, I would consider industry friends. They're in Minnesota. They're good dudes. I run their MEPC plate carrier, that kind of thing. And then by the way, for those of you guys uh, watching, you'll notice that a lot of the videos coming out like last week, this week, and next week our older videos that we are re-uploading and we basically had to take them down because we were told that they were violations for attaching a suppressor or inserting mag. So I'm just trying to update and re-upload that older content, but it's also given me a time to catch up on like a lot of the stuff behind the scenes that I have to do, like tax stuff, bookkeeping. Uh, I'm going to rearrange the shop a little bit, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, uh, it is kind of a nice little break. I'm not going to lie. And then we're also, you know, making content on some of this newer stuff that's coming out too. So, uh, and some of the stuff that, uh, I already have been making content on that we'll, you know, be able to publish as well. So it's kind of been kind of been nice. Uh, that new Smith and Wesson folder looks like a budget friendly entry to PCC. Yeah. And obviously if it shoots well, it's going to be definitely something pretty cool. So, uh, I don't know if I'll get my hands on one. Um, like I said, I'm, I don't have, even though we just hit the hundred K mark and Facebook is, you know, we, we do really well on Facebook. We're up to 360,000 followers, which is crazy. Uh, I don't have some of the mainstream industry relationships that either some bigger or some smaller channels have. Now, some channels are sponsored by those companies. They'll get early release. Uh, and, and that's cool. I, I totally get that. I'm going to get early release of one product that's kind of already been leaked out. I'm not supposed to talk about what it is, but it's, it's out there. Uh, so I'll have my video coming out on that in a couple weeks. 
So I did kind of get early access, but the reality is uh, that's something that I wouldn't mind trying to do. However, a lot of times when you get early access to stuff, I feel like you get a cherry picked item, i.e. look at the Prodigy. Uh, when the Prodigy was announced, a lot of people did videos on the Prodigy the day of that were given these samples and they're like, this is the best thing ever and it runs so great. And mine was a turd. So just saying, like sometimes I think, I'm not saying you're biased, but sometimes you don't get the same experience that a regular person would get when they buy it. So I kind of like in some ways being able to source my own stuff and having other industry relationships like with, you know, Rainier or other companies or whatever, uh, that, you know, have a relationship with a lot of other companies or carry stuff or have access to stuff. So that's kind of my, um, that's kind of my thoughts with that. Uh, I believe we were at number two for the email question. So let's do this one. Nope. I already did that one. There we go. This one's from Charlie B and he asked uh, several questions. The primary purpose of my purchasing a new staccato for EDC, uh, looking at the C2 or the CS, do you have a recommendation between these? Uh, honestly, man, if I was buying one right now, just for carry, I'd probably get the CS. That thing looks pretty awesome. I got to handle it at shot. I have not shot one yet, but I hope to shortly. And I, I gotta say that thing looks like a really impressive little, little handgun. So I would definitely get the CS if it was just for carry, if it was for all around, I want to go to some classes. I want to do whatever the C2 is like the, the Glock 19 of the, of the 2011 world. It's just a do all great pistol does everything, does it really well. And obviously the P is just a little bit bigger than that. The P is still probably my favorite uh, overall bang for the buck 2011. Now, the cool thing is I am going to be getting a bunch of different 2011s this year, and we're going to be having a comparison video. In fact, just to give you guys a sneak peek, because you guys are my favorite viewers, my inner circle. Um, I want to start this new series called which one, and it's basically going to be which one semi-auto shotguns, which one pistol red dots, which one 2011s, whatever. And I'm going to have a bunch of them out on the table. And we're going to talk about like the pros and features of each. And that'll kind of maybe help you pick which one. So if those are some of the topic items. If you have any suggestions for like which one series, leave them in the comments and I can add them to the list. All right. That was uh, number four. There we go. Uh, my next question, uh, choice of iron sights that come on each compact or full size. I want to put an SRO, not interested in co-witnessing. Um, Optic plate that came with the P. Yeah, so basically your options are, if you weren't adding the SRO to the gun, I would prefer full-size iron sights, but when I add the SRO by using the optic plate, uh, what will be my sight picture when I look through the SRO? I would prefer not seeing either the front or rear sights. So um, the compact versus full-size is basically referring to like the RMR CC or the RMR you know, type size optics or whatever. So it has nothing to do. Um, well, the, the sites are a little different too, but that's the main thing, right? So if you got the full, I would just say, get the full size and get the Dawson plates or whatever. And if you did not want iron sights at all, you can drift out your front sight, you can mill down the rear, or you could just leave them. But with the SRO, uh, they're pretty minimal at the bottom of the window and you're probably not going to notice it very much. So I would just run with that. And believe it or not, um, out of all the optics, uh, I've, I've killed them all. Okay. So nothing has been David proof yet. Uh, I don't think anything, no, five, one, five, oh, eight had to go back a five, oh, nine or two have had to go back an RMRs have had to go back. A loophole has had to go back. Um, you know, knock on wood. The only one I have not killed yet is an SRO, but I haven't really been as super tough on the SRO. Uh, as possible. And the reason why I have all three of them right here is I, I have a little reel that's probably going to come out tomorrow, kind of comparing the 507 comp to the SRO to the Delta point kind of size wise, because people like to know about that stuff. So um, 
they were just kind of in the spare spare bins and obviously the comp is going to go on something but yeah so that's kind of on that I, I get sidetracked a lot sometimes but uh all right where were we number four all right so we answered that one uh your above referenced video on mounting the sro showed the optics plate that came with meant for the rmo blah, blah, blah. do you have a do you have to specify that when you want the plate yeah so anything rmr footprint uh when you get that you would you would just say like if you ordered the rmr plate that would fit anything with an rmr footprint the sro the holosun 508s etc uh and that does not come with the gun when you order the gun so you have to make sure you order a plate and i do like the dawson plates the best when it comes for the uh 2011s uh back to my question on the above my understanding the difference between the cs and the c2 i'm inclined to go with the cs i like the new grips texture external extractor new magazines which i hope work even better than the old toolless recoil system uh that your c2 does not have my only hesitation would be the shorter barrel from an accuracy perspective had you had a chance to shoot and like i said i have not had a chance to shoot the cs uh but guys who i've been talking to the accuracy has been pretty good roger from qvo tactical hey -o, uh just published his video with the cs and the 507 comp i want to say he just published it yesterday so check out qvo tactical his channel name is roger barrera i'll try to put a link uh, in the show notes for this one and i'll give him a plug and Roger's a good dude. I've gotten to hang out with him a little bit when I was in Vegas for teaching a class. And then we ran into each other at SHOT Show a few times and we've kind of talked and things like that. So uh, gotta love Roger. He's a super good dude. Super happy to support him. And I uh, have some holster stuff coming out with some of his holsters as well. So, all right, that was that one. Wrapped that up. Let's do this quick. Uh, this is from, oh, sorry. This is from Kevin. And Kevin, uh, man, I'm telling you, this is what happens when I rush stuff. Uh, these are all from Kevin, who is our top Patreon supporter. However... As you can see, uh, where the name part goes, I uh, I didn't fill it in. I just I usually copy the questions in the question box, and then I put their name in the asker box. But I got to say, uh, I screwed up. But these are from Kevin, so we'll kind of blast through these here really quick. What principles work out well as an instructor when handling safety violation and turning those into learning experiences? Uh, biggest thing is is we need to hold people accountable, but we don't want to embarrass them or uh, humiliate them or degrade them, especially in front of a class. Now, obviously, sometimes we have to call safety violations out in front of the class, but then I like to talk to them one-on-one -on -one to make sure we get maximum learning opportunity while being respectful. So that's uh, kind of how I handle those situations at class. I know that there are safety briefs yawn so boring and useless you have an engaging personality and the same communication skills well now you're making me blush what are some things to do to make safety briefs actually useful um i like to go over safety briefs in the seriousness that they are because i talk about what happens when it, literally it takes one round to change everything and ruin somebody's life or end somebody's life really so i uh definitely kind of start out with the seriousness of why we're having the safety brief versus just the recital of it which a lot of people do sadly so, uh, yeah, but that's how I try to do it. And then I kind of explain the why and the importance, then make sure we actually have a plan. So that's uh, the safety brief part. Are there any pre-class things that you can do to help avoid safety violations or guard against poor behaviors? So one of the things that I do, as soon as people show up to class, I'm giving you guys a little bit of a sneak peek behind the curtain here. But one of the things that I do is I start to assess everybody. I start to assess their range bags, their apparel, their gear. And why, you know, what can I learn from that? Well, if I have a person who shows up with uh, their gun and their ammo and everything in a, a recycled grocery bag, 
I know that they might not be as uh, caring about their equipment, about their craft, about their training experience. Whereas if I have somebody who's organized with a range bag, that tells me that at least they have the commitment to organize their gear and show that craft uh, care or dedication to their craft to do that. Or maybe they just have money and they want to be Instagram cool, you know, and have the cool guy gear. Either way, these are things that I'm assessing, right? Additionally, uh, how they conduct themselves, how they engage, you know, all these things I'm using as indicators of potentially what type of student I'm going to get on the firing line. So those are all different, different parts of it. Um, uh, what other pre-class things? Yeah. So, uh, we go from there. I look at how engaged they are. I look at what kind of questions I try to introduce myself to everybody when they go in there, because I'm a firm believer. You never get a a uh, second chance at a first impression. So I try to make a good positive first impression because I realize that's important and I value that. And I also try to see what their, you know, my impression is of them as well. Uh, and then when we do our warm up, which ironically you, you asked some questions about, we all know that warm up the guns at the beginning of class has zero to do with warming up the guns. What do you as an instructor pay attention to students during their first firearms handling at the back tables all the way to the first? And then do you recommend students warm up their guns one by one, smaller groups, go from there. And then we'll talk about inspections here in a second. Uh, but yes, I like to do a warm up, and I'll sometimes even call it that because I want to see what type of students we're going to get. And me and the other instructor, depending on if I have one or two staff instructors with me, depending on the size of class, what we're looking for is when I give them the command to go ahead, load, make ready is how they're doing that, how they are manipulating their gun, what their stance is like, what their posture, most importantly, what their grip is like, uh, the target, is the last thing I'm worried about because those holes will be there when we're done. I can go down and look at the targets later. I want to see how they stand, how they shoot, how they handle their gun, how they manipulate their gun, all these things. And it gives me an idea because I know when there is a professional, competent, high functioning, high level shooter on the line based on how they handle their guns. Now, are they efficient and effective and accurate? Well, that'll be truth be told, right? Because sometimes we all have bad days and sometimes we're here to improve, but we may have a solid foundation. So those are all the different things I'm looking for because it's all important to me. And then likewise, uh, when I sometimes do an intro in the classroom, one of the things I pay attention to is uh, how humble are people versus, you know, how confident are people? When I used to do local classes more so, uh, I used to get the, yeah, you know, I've been shooting since uh, I was five years old and I've been shooting pop cans on the mountainside and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just here because my buddy, Billy Bob, you know, he wanted to go and I didn't have anything else better to do. So I'm mainly just here for him, but I ain't expecting to learn much or nothing because I'm, you know, a heck of a heck of a shooter. That's the dude I need to keep my eyes on the most because they generally had the worst habits. They were overly confident. And then when it came time to put some rounds on paper, it was pretty bad. Whereas I'd have other people who are like, Hey, I'm relatively new. I don't have a lot of experience. I'm just here to learn. Their targets would look better than that guy's most of the time. And they would actually have the right attitude, be willing to learn, etc. Whereas some people they're kind of closed minded. Uh, like I had one guy, Dustin, if you're watching, I thought you were, uh, you remember the revolveritis guy? Uh, he was just like, guys, I just, I can't keep my finger off the trigger. I got a bad case of a revolveritis and I'm making up the voice, but his habit was always keeping his finger off the trigger because that's what you did with revolvers. And I don't know, last time I checked the firearm safety rules didn't necessarily say like, if you're shooting a revolver, you can skip this one, you know, but we had to really, really work hard on that. Uh, last, 
Uh, do I recommend, oh, one by one? Uh, I would generally go in relays or small groups so I can keep an eye on it. If I have a, a line, me in my class, if I have more than, uh, say, 12 students, I split them up into relays just so I can keep an eye on them. Uh, I have a class coming up in April. I want to say we have 22 or 24 students, so a big class. Uh, I'm going to have an extra instructor there. We're going to be splitting them up into relays. That's when they can also do some of their teach back stuff. So we, we want to make sure uh, we you know stay in tune with that. Yeah, you remember Revolveritis guy. Dustin is here. So, All right, last. Uh, when does making a pre-class firearms inspection make sense? And honestly, open enrollment classes, uh, I do that a lot. I do that in my registration process. I tell you, when you sign up for my class, you have to tell me what gun, what holster, what gear, and a little bit about your experience. So I start with that. And then when they get there, I also double check to make sure as we're checking in, hey, are you still shooting this? Are you still shooting that? Because it gives me an idea of what we're dealing with. Because obviously, certain guns have issues more likely than others. Um, certain platforms are better than others, more reliable, that kind of stuff. So goes from there. And then last, you asked about the Smith & Wesson equalizer, and I don't have any experience with it, but I want to let you know I didn't forget about that question. I just, I don't have any experience, so I can't comment on that. Um, all right. This, uh, let's, let's, let's do one more email question, and then we'll do some comments. This is from Chris. About a year ago, I saw my first book video on my Arasaka Micromount. Curious about how it's been working. It's been awesome. It's been on a few uh, guns that you could see in various videos. Uh, I'd like to get my optic up a little bit higher and backup irons i know the 193 is a no-go they advertise the 17 as a lower third and it doesn't uh yes it does work so i have the 193 and a 17 and with a micro with the 17 you can still get your iron sights just barely to see there uh, otherwise with the 193 like you said it's a no-go although with the 193 um with the 193 it you might be able to peek through the the void i can't remember um if that one has it or not but i can remind me I'll, I'll try to make a short on it a reel and we can see what we can come up with but the arasaka stuff is just awesome uh, i absolutely love it if arasaka makes it it's a solid option actually i just got a box from them i ordered some stuff for my spear uh and i uh they have a new product coming out for bipod it's a rail grabber that uses a pick rail so i'm going to be checking that out because not every AR, for example, is going to have an ARCA rail. For precision rifle and big frame stuff, I've moved everything over to ARCA. But for regular, I was uh, trying to stick with M-Lock, but this pick rail, pick grabber system might uh, might be a pretty cool option. Uh, so that was from Chris. That was number seven. I just got to kind of keep track so I don't repost the same things all the time. All right. Uh, this one is... Let me see where we're caught up here for comments. All right. Uh, this is from Art. Uh, which ones sound very exciting, especially... Oh, the which ones sound exciting? Yeah, the series, such as the 507 Comp SRO. Yeah, yeah. We can totally do some different which one pistol optics. We absolutely can. And then, um, yeah, Kyle DeFore has done some good things with the CSC. I'm not cool enough now that even when I was with Staccato, it, it's kind of like... Uh, they definitely picked and chose who they would give cool stuff to or whatever. Like we were all supposed to get early access to stuff and that always didn't happen. But I, like I said, no ill feelings. I wish them the best. They make awesome stuff. I'm still going to buy a CS, you know, that kind of thing. Do I like the EPS carry? Heck yeah, I do. Uh, I have one on me right now and I would show it to you except for this is a live stream and I'm not allowed to show those things, but it's on my 43X and I love it. Opinions on MOS sizes for EDC, um, looking into my first RDS. Honestly, the EPS is 
in my opinion, the most innovative Red Dot site to come out in 22 and still is probably the most innovative because they're able to get a closed emitter in such a small compact package. Basically uses a modified Shield RMSC footprint, basically now the 507K footprint. Uh, so if you have a Shield RMSC, you'd have to get the posts milled down. You can do it with the file. But I love the EPS and the EPS carry. They are, I, I'm... You know, if I was buying optics, I would either buy Holosun 508s for open emitters, EPSs for closed, uh, the comp for large. I still love the SRO. It's a great little optic, um, but they're expensive. They're tougher to find. And I'm curious to see if I'm going to like the Holosun 507 comp better. But I still do like the Delta Point Pro too. The only thing is, it's a much higher profile. So they sit up a little high. So you have to have super, super high sights for those. But yeah, I love the EPS. Uh, they're great. I need to come out with my video for those for sure. All right. Uh, the good news is when you're jumping in, there's so many more options than ever before. Some uh, questions start with what budget. Yeah, absolutely. Very good question. What budget uh, for an optic? And then like you follow up with how you're using it. And Dustin, good to have you here. Scott, uh, also one of our supporters. Uh, I'm considering buying an HK VP9. It will be OWB. For those of you guys that don't know, that is outside the waistband. Uh, while working in my shop, will the added velocity of the long slide version be worth the convenience carry? Honestly, I think the velocity difference would be minimal, especially with modern, good quality ammo. Uh, I would get what's more comfortable for you, both sitting, moving around, you know, whatever. But if it's going to be OWB, and if you're all right with the long slide, it might be a little bit smoother of a shooter. I haven't shot all the VP9s back to back to kind of see where their sweet spot of slide mass, reciprocation, recoil springs, tuning, and all that is. But I would definitely, uh, definitely check that out. So, all right. Uh, the Yeet Cannon. Yep. Good to go. Good to go. All right. Uh, from Art, uh, how big of a shop are we talking about? Not sure if that extra inch. So, yeah. Uh, and honestly, like, I can still shoot okay at 25 yards with like a 43X, right? And that has a pretty short barrel. So uh, looking at the 407Ks, 507, then I learned the EPS. Yeah, and if you were looking at those, I I think I think Holosun is going to keep those K models, 507, 407 for more budget, but the reality is the EPS is the way to go. So yeah, uh, right. Uh, yes, and because they don't make an 11. All right. Oh, Tang and Arms, you're back. Options for custom holsters to accommodate pistols with lights on on it that may not be the most popular. Customer added a Crimson Trace light laser. Uh, customer has used an alien gear, but the Crimson Trace, yeah. Uh, so for those, you're probably going to have to reach out to some of the custom Kydex makers for more of that. Uh, some of those custom Kydex makers are a little bit more agile that they're able to kind of make it. You might have to send in the gun if it's something really rare and unique. Uh, most of those guys have their own FFL, so you can send them their gun. They'll make the mold. They'll come back. And a lot of times, if that's the case, they will actually give you a deal on either the holster because you helped make the mold, if you will. Or uh, they might even give you a holster for free. I know some holster companies have done that. Uh, but yeah, as far as like the big names, Safari Land, uh, US Duty Gear, stuff like that, they are slower to make those different changes and stuff because they have to make a mold and then sell so many holsters to pay for that mold, that kind of thing. So if you're looking for something with very unique setup, whether it be that Crimson Trace or something like that, you're probably gonna have to go to a custom Kydex shop. And I don't have a particular favorite, but... Um, you know, you could reach out to Roger at QVO to see if he would be able to do something like that. But uh, I know he has to get it in there to make molds and, and stuff like that. All right. So let's uh, give a quick uh, check back in with the email questions. Fan of the content. Recently viewed the SRO install in the Staccato. Thinking about going with that setup with the Eggerworks. 
Uh, YouTube isn't for duty use, the SRO. Well, I took it upon myself to call Trigicon and hear it from the horse's mouth. The rep told me that the SRO is, in fact, duty rated. Trigicon ran the SRO through the same test. It performed well. Uh, when it first came out, it was marketed as more of range competition. Yes, and that is right. So here's the deal. Uh, the RMR was drop tested at a higher distance than the SRO. Now, and I've argued for a while that the SRO is still a great optic, and I would have no problems carrying one on duty. These are great optics, the bigger window, top-mounted battery, like everything that I love about the RMR is better with the SRO because the SRO has more modern features. The RMR, in my opinion, is a dated optic. The bottom battery needs to go, like, come on. But it's king of durability, right? It's a proven optic. And then arguably, it gave a lot of people, it was their gateway. Like most people's first pistol red dot who have been doing this a while, it was an RMR. So the SRO is in fact duty rated. There are a lot of major agencies that are running these. Is it as durable as an RMR? No, but there's a little bit of a trade-off with that bigger window, top battery, all that other stuff. The other downside with the SRO is this little overhang right here. It is more forward and it doesn't fit with some holsters. So some holsters need to be modified to accompany that RMR thing. Now, whereas the C, the, or excuse me, the 507 comp, you can see here, and we'll get it to focus. There we go. Uh, footprint is the same focus on the optics, not me there. There we go. But you can see it doesn't have that overhang. So that's pretty cool with the 507 comp. All right. Got some comments pouring in. I'll check in in just a second. Let's, uh, I want to try to burn through these emails and then we can wrap up with comments. Uh, good day. I am returning to firearms after 30 plus years. Can you advise the best way to relearn how to aim and use the iron sights on my SIG P320? Not as good of an experience, right? And we get it, man. When you get out of practice, it's a perishable skill. Uh, I would see if there's a good local, you know, competition shooter, instructor, whatever that might be able to give you some pointers. But basically with our iron sights, we want to work on building our good grip. Grip is so underemphasized. We don't train on grip enough. Like everyone always wants to talk about like trigger press, trigger press. But man, if you have a crappy grip, all goes to crap, okay? Whereas if I have an amazing grip, the best grip possible, I can slap that trigger and I'm still making hits, okay? Uh, and we can debate about that another time, but that's just what my thoughts are. And I feel like I have, you know, the data to back it up, okay? So when we're presenting out, we want to make sure we have that good grip, and I don't want to hit the microphone because it has like a weird cable and it turns off. But anyways, uh, we go out, we build our good grip, we find our front sight, we focus on our front sight so we have equal light, equal sight height, equal bars, whatever you guys want to call it, and we're going to press that trigger straight to the rear without disrupting the sights. So here's the deal. To start out, don't be afraid to get the target close to build up your confidence, and then you can always move the target further, further back. But we want to get good repetition and practice with getting that sight picture and that consistency, right? That's the key work with that. Uh, this one is... Oh, okay. This is from Abel. Uh, I was watching my earlier videos on Staccato P prior to being educated. I disengaged the slide without a round in the chamber approximately 10 to 15 times. Uh, you're fine, man. It's not a big deal. Uh, I realize that you're probably like, oh crap, I should have done that. And no, you shouldn't have, but you know what? Life is going to go on. The sun will rise tomorrow and I think you'll be just fine. Okay. You'll be just fine. No big deal. All right. 11. Uh, looking to set up a predator rifle, uh, basically, uh, what setup would be best? I'm thinking an AR, but I really like 22, 250 for say coyotes. Uh, honestly, man, I don't know of any reliable ARs in 22, 250. And if I was doing a 22, 250, because they're a barrel burner and things like that, I would probably stick to a bolt gun. Otherwise 
some of the ammo that is really good now in the 223 we're getting even better i wouldn't hesitate just to build an accurized 223 and get like a bonded bullet uh, i think it would be just a fine coyote gun is the 22 250 have a little more power a little flatter yep absolutely but then maybe you look at an ar and a 243 uh something like that and those are available or the six millimeter arc or you know some of the other stuff that's probably in, if i wanted something bigger than a 223 in an ar it would probably be a six arc that's what i would build right now those things are really really cool uh this is from james new to red dots trigicon a lot of people have been watching those trigicon video or the install videos lately those have been some good viewed videos by the way which is cool uh if you'd be kind enough to respond the name and brand of torque wrench and most importantly the source for the bits the bits i get from kc tool company i will put a link in the description below when this goes live later tonight we also have links on our webpage, uh and i get my uh wura uh bits and i absolutely love the hex plus bits from wura they're awesome you can get them from kc tuoco get the longer extended power bits they work absolutely great uh the uh torque wrench i have is a borka from shooterstools.com you can go to borka tools search for that and you can and if you leave a comment i'm not an affiliate with them or anything like that but just let them know that dave tim sent you i would appreciate it borka's always treated me really good i want to make sure people know that i'm sending them his way but yeah borka uh, tools are really really good all right, a few more emails. Oh my gosh, we might be caught up. Yes, we are. Now let's get back to comments. Yeah, doing good. Doing good. All right, here we go. What kind of accuracy should one strive to achieve 25 yards standing slow fire? Well, here's the deal. I will tell you that I will never probably be satisfied with what I can do at 25 yards. Like Bill Blower said, uh, until I can shoot a one inch square 100% of the time at 100 yards in one second with my handgun, uh, I always have work to do or something to that effect. And it's not an exact quote, but I always really liked that because it, it kind of spoke to me as the character of Bill is that he's never going to be content with what's good enough. He always wants to do better. And for me, um, a B8 is a great humbling target. A B8 is, you know, what we use at 25 yards. And in my opinion, a warm-up B8, my goal is always going to be 110X, which basically, I believe the X ring of a B8 is 1.67 inches. Don't quote me, but it's something really close to that. So that means if I can keep all my rounds around an inch and a half at 25 yards, that's the perfect 101X or 110X. And I can't do it, okay? Um, I'm trying to even think the last time I shot a 100, usually it's a high nineties, you know, like 98 or 97 or 99 or whatever. I'm trying to think of the last time I shot a clean 100 and it's been a long time. So it tells you I got work to do, right? So that's what I strive for. Um, now that being said, I know some people who are happy if they can keep all their rounds within the eight ring, uh, eight inches, right? That's the black part of the B8 and, and that's the goals. Okay. But what kind of accuracy should one strive to achieve at 25 yards standing slow fire? The reality is the best possible. And I'm never going to be happy. I'm always going to feel like I can do better. I can get better. I can get better. That's just me. And that's my mindset, my mentality. I always want to strive to do better, right? Now, other people, uh, they might be happy with hitting the chest. And I've had some cops who struggle to, to hit the silhouette at 15 yards for their qualification, or they can't get any rounds on target at 25. 25. And that's, it's insulting. I, I don't know any other way to put it other than it's embarrassing and it's insulting that they're not dedicated to their craft. Now, I was always a gun guy. I took it very seriously because my thought was, if I need to, um, you know, potentially have to save my life or another's, I want to be as good as I can be when that moment 
might present itself, right? We don't get to choose. There's no warmups, anything like that. So that was kind of my, um, that was kind of my mindset of it, but not everybody had that, you know, and that's the reality of it. Um, some comments back and forth, which is cool. Uh, at strategic work. Um, yeah, you guys are talking back and forth, which is great. I love it. So I won't need to post all of those. Uh, there we go. Speaking of uh, drills, uh, Art shot a Dickens drill and it was a sh <laughs> yeah. Um, but then again, what's the probability of needing to shoot 40 yards? I will say that uh, there have been some officer involved shootings at that or greater distance. Uh, however, is it probable? Uh, probably not. Is it possible? Sure. Anything's possible. But the reality is, is it probable? Now, uh, Dustin can even attest to this. In my um, fundamental handgun class, which was what my, I, it wasn't an intro or a base level, but it was kind of my, one of my essential level classes, fundamental handgun. And a lot of people didn't want to go because, oh, bro, I want to shoot advanced. I'm better than that. But I'd have a lot of people who would be humbled when they would come if I could get them to come. But in my fundamental handgun class, a one-day class, uh, we would shoot out to 100 yards. We would shoot on steel at 100 yards. And people would be like, I would never. That's not self -dead. It's not about that. It's a marksmanship-building drill. It's a confidence-building drill. Because if anything's off at 100, the rounds go feet off the target. But once you see shooters lock everything together and they start to get their hits and they hear that steel bang at 100 yards, their confidence definitely rises up. And then when we walk back to the 25, they're like, man, this is way easier. And that's what it's about, right? So it's not that it's probable to, uh, you know, shoot at 40 yards or whatever, but it's all about, you know, trying to dive in and build skill. That's why like at rifle ranges, if I have a piece of steel up, I'll shoot my pistol at 200 yards, 100 yards, whatever. And yeah, I have to walk her in sometimes. It's not a hundred percent thing, guys. I don't want you to think that, but the red dot does make it a little easier for me because I can see it better. However, it's about really fine tuning fundamentals and making sure everything's there because likely uh, distance of most self-defense, you know, situations are 10 and in, right? But then hopefully those are going to be much easier because I have the skills to do it. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like with race cars, right? And guys who, uh, who I know that are into race cars, you know, they'll tell me that their car is capable of going 200 some miles per hour. And I'll, you know, like the question, naturally somebody in the group would ask, what do you need a car that goes 200 miles an hour for? Well, you don't, but I want a car that when it's going 100 miles per hour, it's not stressed. It's not pushing it to the max. It's not at the extreme limitations. Like 100 for that race car is pretty easy work, right? And that's the same thing what I want when I look for a pistol or a rifle. I want it to be as accurate as possible so that when I'm pushing it, it's no sweat for the equipment, okay? Or when I look for long-term reliability of equipment, uh, it's not a challenge for it, you know? Whereas if I had a gun that struggles to do whatever, then I don't want to push it. So that's kind of some of my mindset there. So, uh, and yeah, uh, Dustin was there at hundred. Yep. And I think Dave has a good point about being, uh, being able to shoot realistically consistently at 25. Once you get the accuracy down, then the speed. Yep. Absolutely. So one of the things that I talk about in my classes is there's three ways that we can challenge ourselves. Number one is we can just move the target back. No big deal. Increase the distance. Number two, we can make the target smaller or number three, we can decrease the time. And those are the three main challenges that we can do to improve our performance. Now, there's other things we can do. We can add obstacles, awkward shooting positions, starts. There's other things, but those are the three main things. Uh, a couple of years ago, I looked up the air marshal shooting qualification and I found it one of the toughest. Um, 
I have seen some versions of the air marshal. If you have it, if you can send it to me, uh, I'd love to check it out. Maybe we can do a video on that again, but I believe I have shot it. Um, I want to say, is that the one where, uh, it starts out with like draw and then there's some presentation and I want to say one handed, two handed or one handed offhand. Uh, I can't remember if that's like a modified FBI or the air marshal one, but I believe the air marshal one was a pretty good course. So yeah. Um, here's the deal. If you guys ever want to see me shoot some drills or talk about it, send me an email and then we can certainly do that. Um, you know, you can send it to the QA email, then that'd be, that'd be awesome. But I'd love to check it out. That'd be uh, I'm always up for a good time. I always like shooting other people's drills. Uh, I think I took that class three times and routinely off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The, he's talking about the fundamental handgun class. I had a, several people come back just to kind of be able to use it as like a, a litmus test, if you will. So, all right, this one is from CCEP. Would you be able to go more in depth about choosing MOA size? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm assuming, uh, are we talking about pistol or rifle? Let me know quick and then, uh, let's do it. All right. And then art, uh, potential guests. Yes. Uh, yes. We, uh, we did get a few from the Patreon. I did post to those guys. Uh, so I'm going to be reaching out to some other people to see if we can do more of these industry QA type videos where we can talk to different people. Um, I do have a few connections and I'd like to reach out to some of those to see if we can get them on because I got to be honest, number one, uh, it was, it was super fun. I, I just really had fun interviewing Josh and kind of learning from his point of view and his perspective. Uh, that was a lot of fun for me. And the software actually did pretty good of bringing in a guest. So all in all, technically speaking, there was a couple of little quirks behind the skeins that you guys didn't see, or I, and I couldn't get some of the other questions to show up, but, uh, the software overall worked pretty good and I was pretty happy. So that gave me the confidence to be able to do more of that. So I definitely would love to do more of that. Great, great question there. Yes. All right. So let's pull up your question and you did post pistol. Um, so here's my deal. Um, an MOA is roughly 1.047 inches at 100 yards, one MOA. Okay. So in theory, three MOA, if I was looking at hundred yards would cover up three inches and you're thinking like, no problem. Six, only six inches. Right. But the reality is for most people, most perception is things appear bigger. No jokes, no jokes, guys, no jokes. But anyways, uh, things do appear bigger. So for me, a five or six MOA dot covers up more of the target at 25 yards than I would like, even though it's only supposed to cover up like 1.25 inches or a little over an inch. Uh, it covers up more than that. Some of it's because maybe I have it too bright and it blooms a little bit, or some of it is just perception, right? So for me, uh, I really like uh, about the three, the two and a half to three to maybe four MOA is my sweet spot. That's where I like my dot size on my carry handguns on all my handguns. If there's generally an option around three MOA, that's the one I go with. Six is a little big for me. However, some people find it easier to find because it's a little bit bigger and more bold and it's easier to pick up. Some people say that one is too fine. However, uh, for my competition gun, uh, where I know like if I was shooting three gun more heavily right now, I would probably put a one MOA on it because there are some of those matches that you go to where you're shooting a four to five inch piece of steel at 25, 35 yards, whatever, uh, where they were trying to challenge people. And for me, I'm able to be a, what I perceive is a little bit more precise with a one MOA dot, for example, or if I was shooting just B8 bullseye shooting, uh, when I was younger, I shot bullseye with a red dot, a big old Tasco soup can. And ultimately I settled on a one MOA. Maybe it was a hair bigger, but it was a one MOA. I believe 
believe red dot on my 22 bullseye gun because that was able to be nice and small and crisp within the black bullseye at you know 25 yards shooting your offhand bullseye so that's kind of what i prefer but if i had to pick one for edc carry all around whatever it's uh if like the sro comes in a two and a half perfect some of the holo suns come in threes perfect twos threes that's generally what i would do so hopefully that helps man that uh hopefully that helps all right i think we're getting caught up and uh we're coming up on about an hour so we'll probably end up you know wrapping this up here pretty quick unless i see some other comments come through um yeah, and that was a really good episode for Lee. That's right, it was, because Lee did win the 507 comp. So I uh, do got to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. Let me uh, see if we can get all that stuff to pull up, because uh, who knows if everything's going to be working today. Before we give away our prize, let's go ahead and throw up the rules for the QA, and then we're going to figure out what we're going to give away. I don't know where the box of prizes is, but these are the rules. You have 30 days to claim your prize. Please make sure you reach out to me. Go from there. And then our sponsor is going to be Midwest Industries. Again, our friends from Wisconsin, Midwest Industries makes a variety of high quality products for a variety of platforms. Make sure you check out their website by searching online for Midwest Industries, and that'll take you to their website. Unfortunately, I can't post a direct link, but check them out. Chances are they make some good quality parts, accessories for the stuff that you know and love. And I believe uh, we did finally get a rail in for, I want to say it was maybe the January winter. So I got to reach out to you guys and make sure we get caught up because sometimes they uh, we'll get different stuff in or whatever. So thanks to Midwest Industries for sponsoring the episode. And again, the rules are posted. So let's get back to that. And we are going to shuffle our emails and our comments. Let me go ahead and shuffle. Usually we've been having more comments, it seems like when lately, but let's see if we can get a uh, shuffle up again. So we're going to pick a random number that's going to coordinate to you. Uh, looks like Chris K. Chris K, your question was selected. It's the Arasaka mount. So Chris, make sure you reach out to us uh, within 30 days, please. And congratulations on your prize from Midwest Industries. Uh, this is hello from NJ. Well, hello from New Jersey as well. Just got back from New Jersey not that long ago. I was uh, there just on the other side of Philly teaching a class and I uh, had a good time. Got to say, had some good cheesesteak and some meh cheesesteak. So, you know, what it is. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it. I think we're all caught up. Again, if you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. That email address is shown below, theqa at gunsandtactics.com. Send us an email. You'll get your question on the show. We do this live at the end of the month. Generally, it's Monday, and I'm going to probably switch it to a different time just for school pickup and all that other stuff, but I uh, do want to see that on there. And uh, yes, actually, Federal, funny you mentioned that, is one of the guests that we were, were talking about as I'm friends with... Uh, a one of the tech leads for that. So that would definitely be one of the guests that would be one of my first picks was from uh, federal. Uh, and then let's see here. It's a, looks like a couple other comments. So I just want to make sure that we are covering everything. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thank you guys very much for watching. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. We want to continue to see the channel grow. We are going to be setting up our 100K giveaway because we did officially hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So look out for that. It'll be an email thing where you have to enter on the website and then we'll have prizes. I'm just waiting to get more of the prizes in from some of the sponsors. So the 100K giveaway is coming. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you very much for watching and have a great day.